Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to Believe in Raiders podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Sacklin. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford route. Stan, uh, we've seen this song and dance before. The Raiders coming off a humiliating loss after blowing a 17-point lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's the third time they've blown that type of lead this season. You and I were texting during the game, Stan. I said, let's see if this song and dance ends differently. And it's the same old, same old, man. Yeah, I think that uh, pretty much kind of sums it all up. Uh, same old, same old. This is the third blown lead that they've had this year. Or should I say from a substantial lead? So I think that uh, clearly kind of like going in what Derek Carr was saying after the game, like a lot of souls need to be searched and a lot of changes probably need to be made just because you got to be able to find a way to close out games. Well, you mentioned Derek Carr. He and Devontae Adams seemed like they were definitely doing some soul-searching after the game. Go ahead and take a listen, Raider Nation. You know, I think uh, there's a lot I want to say, you know. Um, but if I'm honest, I don't need to say it here, you know. Um, you know, and there's things that, that will be said. There are things that need to be addressed and all those things, but... I think for as a whole, the urgency part of it that after 30 minutes of football, we have to learn that the game is not over. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've uh, you know been in this situation a lot where um, you know new 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 coaches or this or that, and you have to you have to teach the new guys like this is how we do it, and this is the mentality, and this is and and that gets uh, tiring. Uh, but at the same time, it's my job, so um, you know there's there's some of that. So I'll say I'll say that right now for those things, but there's things, you know, in-house that we'll talk about and, uh, you know, man-to-man and all that kind of stuff that, that could be addressed. You just got to continue doing whatever it was that put you in that position. I feel like we've gotten away from that too many times, you know, whether it was just the, you know, the way that, that we decided to attack them or just the execution. Like I said, just, fit, just finishing plays because, you know, the, the players make the plays. It's not the, the, the scheme and all of that. That helps you. But at the end of the day, you can't put it on the coach to, you know, that's just the way I think about it. I feel like especially, you know, if you got a freaking high school team, and that's one thing. But if you got a bunch of grown men been doing it for a long time and had success in this league and know how to win games, you got to find a way to win them. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the way we were attacking in the first half was um, it was working to a certain extent. You know, obviously, like I said before, we could we could be better, but it was working. I feel like we got away from that and, you know, started playing the game a little different. And that, that that's not the way we got to do it. We got to take the field, be ready to make plays and, and convert on whatever whatever's called. All right, Stan, you played eight years in the NFL. When you hear Derek Carr, when you hear Devontae Adams talking like this after a loss, what is your reaction? What's going on not only on the field with this team, but inside the locker room as well? I think for one, they're frustrated. That's number one. And uh, you're starting to really wonder, okay, like are some of the people on this team, are they pulling their own weight? Are they actually producing at the high clip that they're supposed to produce at? And anytime you hear your star players talk like that, that's really what resonates with me. And now you're starting to wonder exactly what's going on in the locker room. Are people starting to just lose faith in each other? Is there some sort of dissension in the locker room? Things like that. So anytime I hear them talking, that's what comes to mind. I'll let you go ahead and uh, you can give your opinion on it as well. But yeah, that, that, that's all I can take from it. 
I, this the football team seems like it's almost like a, a ship out at sea that's absolutely rudderless. It doesn't know where it's going, what it's doing. I, I find it interesting, Stan, that this team has blown three 17-point 17 17 leads, beg your pardon. Yeah. And then you go back and you look at last year with everything that they dealt with on and off the field. I mean, John Gruden is let go. You have the Henry Ruggs off the field incident, Damon Arnett off the field incident. Yet the leadership on that team, and I don't know if it was if it was Rich Passaccia, I don't know if it was Derek Carr, but there was leadership, Stan, on that team that was able to steer the ship correctly. And they went finished 10 and 7 and made the playoffs. That's to me, it's what is so mind blowing about this team this year. They're blowing big leads when last year they dealt with all of the off-field adversity and were still able to overcome it. Yeah, I, and, and I think the thing is, is that last year when you look at how they were, going to, they were able to come back against the Indianapolis Colts, they were able to go ahead and pull out the victory against the Los Angeles Chargers in the season finale. They were able to go and pull out certain games last year that they all did it. They did it in the fourth quarter. Well, I remember the great John Madden, the late great John Madden used to always say, if you find yourself always trailing and then coming back, making a furious comeback in the fourth quarter, you're probably not going to go that far in the playoffs. And that's exactly what happened to the Raiders in the playoffs last year. So I, I hate to say it because I'm, I'm a Raider at heart, but a lot of last year was more of an anomaly than the norm based on how they were winning their games down the stretch last year. So I think that uh, for a lot of people, you look at how they made the playoffs last year. So you're expecting they add Devontae Adams into the mix. So they're going to do nothing but get better. But the way that they were winning those games, I just don't think that was sustainable. And now we're seeing in 2022 that it's not. Yeah. What's the old saying? There's always a fine line between, between winning and losing. Very much so. Yeah. All right, before we move on, let's get our uh, Believe promo in. And basketball is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, yes, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Are you staying the Raiders? 53-5 and five since 2000 when leading by 17 or more points. Three of those losses obviously have come this season. The other two coaches... Uh, who have blown those type of leads in a season. They were both fired. I believe it was Dan Reeves with the Falcons in 2003. And uh, the other coaches slipped in my mind, but he was fired as well. You know, Stan, I feel like Josh McDaniels is at least safe for this season. But beyond that, I, I, I really have no idea. Uh, agree? Disagree? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> for Yeah, I think for this season, yeah, you're pretty much going to see him be safe, just like you're going to see Nathaniel Hackett be safe with the Broncos, just because they went out and got this guy. They're not going to go ahead and fire him, should I say, during the season, or I don't even think after the season, unless things really start to unravel where it's very evident that he's lost the team, things like that. Now, going the first couple weeks of the next season, 2023, anything is possible. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. That I think that – uh. He's safe for this season, but he's definitely going to have to put his best foot forward and show that he has not lost control of this team going forward. Otherwise, his days may very well be numbered leading into 2023 season. 
Stan, I know, I, I know you're not inside that Raiders, Raiders locker room. Like I said, you've played this game for eight years. From an outside perspective, does it appear to you? Does it feel like he has lost this team? Yeah, man, it's just so weird. It, it's so weird because when you when you really look at everything from that standpoint, I go back to you know the issue back in training camp where the New England Patriots come to town and the New England Patriots are using the Raiders facility. And I'm pretty sure that that's something that did not go over well with a lot of guys within that locker room. And maybe they caused them to look at him sideways. And then you come out the gate uh, not winning. You come out the gate struggling. So that's very quick to go ahead and just lose faith or just start to look at your coaching staff sideways. And everything is going to start and end with Josh McDaniel. So that's why, to me, when you ask that question, I think that I I, I, I don't want to go as far as to say that he's lost the locker room, but I do believe right now it is on its last leg because if they don't get a W, they don't get a W somewhere in here quickly. I think that uh, you're going to start seeing guys go ahead and just mail it in. You're going to start seeing guys go ahead and start gearing toward getting their, their off-season plans ready, gearing up to what they're going to do for the holidays, things like that, where now it'll get just get to a point to where I'm just going to make it look good on film, but I've mentally already checked out for this season. All right, earlier this week, the Raiders released former first-round pick Jonathan Abram. He's been struggling this year, grading out as the 60th best safety out of 64. Stan, I just find the timing strange. I mean, the trade deadline came and went. Maybe they did try to see what the market offered out there for him, and maybe there were no takers, no buyers. I'm not sure, but I just find this timing strange. I mean, is he, he can't be the one to blame for the defensive woes. He can't be the sole person to blame for a two-and-six start. I just find it very strange, the timing very odd. What do you make of this move? I think it's uh, several factors all into one. I think that, number one, I can tell you like this, anytime that you're losing, anytime that you have another blown lead, at the end of the day, I can tell you, just like watching the Indianapolis Colts with consecutive weeks, firing the offensive coordinator, and then firing um, uh, uh, the head coach, Frank Reich, anytime that you're losing, especially on a certain side of the ball that it seems like is faltering or just seems like it's not really pulling its own weight, Somebody has to get shot. Somebody has to get the bullet. And sometimes it'll be a coach. Sometimes it could be a player. Now, Jonathan Abrams, somebody that they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, he's the easiest person to shoot in this, in this scenario right now. And then on top of that, because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, they already were assuming that they're going to part ways with him at the end of the season. Now, as far as him being released right here, right now, in the midst of this season – that also could speak to maybe he's not getting along well with the defensive coordinator. Maybe he's not getting along well with his DB coach. Maybe it just seems like he's not getting along well with the other teammates, things like that. So anytime a guy who's a starter or somebody who's contributing a lot, he either A, is playing horribly, or B, it all, and I'm sorry, and or B, he could just simply not be getting along with the people within the locker room, the facility, the building, his coaching staff, things like that. So now not only are you not playing well, now you're not being a good employee. Now you're not being a good teammate. And that right there is pretty much the kiss of death in those locker rooms, in the, in those facilities. Stan, am I, am I reading too much into this? Is, I mean, you, you, you mentioned all those points and they're, and they're great points, but is it just, you know what, we're going to release it. Nobody's safe right now because we're playing so bad. Everybody's on alert. Uh, it could be that. I think that if that was the case, then you also could see you could also make the argument for other prominent players to have been cut. But see, they're not going to get cut because they, you know, owe them too much money on their contract and they're still a good player, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. So to me, 
I probably would go ahead and classify it as obviously not playing well, the team not playing well. You got to go ahead and shoot somebody. And so that's the easiest person to shoot. So you got to show that you're trying to actually improve things, even though if you really, really wanted to make that statement, you could easily just fire your defense coordinator. You could fire your offense coordinator. But see, they're not going to do that because it's not things have not gotten that dire yet. So we're just going to go ahead and release a player who wasn't a part of our future plans anyways. But I think that uh, that right there is more indicative of him simply not getting along with certain guys within the locker room, certain team captains, maybe somebody as far as the coaching staff, DB coach, defense coordinator, or maybe even Josh McDaniels, the head coach, something like that. So anytime you see a starter get released during the season, he's either a, like I said, playing horribly and or a situation where he's also now becoming a malcontent inside those four walls. He's not getting along with certain people that are decision makers. So I think it's a little bit of both because if it was simply him not playing well, they could have released him before the season like they did Alex Leatherwood. They could have went and released him in the offseason. So that's why anytime you see a starter uh, getting released during the season, there's probably more to do with it than just him not playing well. And correct me if I'm wrong, 2008, didn't the Raiders, they acquired D'Angelo Hall in the offseason? Didn't yeah. they release him, what, five, maybe, was it a and, handful of games I, into the season, I, right? I, I remember, no, it was, it was right after we uh, we had just lost to, uh, we had just lost to, I believe it was the Atlanta Falcons, his former team. And so I remember distinctly, we just lost to them on a Sunday, and they're pounding the rock, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're closing out the game with Michael Turner. Uh-huh. who was a stud running back, right. just came over from the San Diego Chargers at the time. And let me tell you something, like Michael Turner, tackling him is like is like as hard as uh is me hitting this table that I'm sitting on right now because like he was rock solid. And I want to say that he led the league in, in, in rushing yards that season, if memory serves me correctly, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I do remember it was late in the game, and I think D'Angelo Hall was just frustrated. You know, he's playing against his former team. We're losing to them. Uh, I think, it, and it was something going on on the defense side of the ball where I think we they were running the clock out. The, uh, the the Falcons were just running the ball over and over and over. And I think we were playing a certain coverage that D. Hall just didn't want to play no more. And so he's, you know, getting into it a little bit with Rob Ryan. And then the next thing you know, you see a, an article coming out, I believe it was either Tuesday night or something like that, where the Raiders plan to release D'Angelo Hall. And so that right there was D'Angelo Hall, as great of a corner as he was in more of a zone-based scheme, he wasn't that great of a fit for our man-based scheme. He just simply wasn't. That's why as soon as he left the Raiders, he went to the Redskins at the time, which is now the Commanders. He went to the Redskins and actually played well for them. I want to say one, uh, he had four INTs in a game against uh, the Chicago Bears with Jay Cutler. So uh, that was just more so, like I said, obviously he wasn't playing well because he was a misfit for our scheme. But... Once it started to get to the point where now he's getting into it with the defensive coordinator, and now you're starting to have that tension right there, that's when they released him. Because D. Hall, that eight games he was with us, he didn't really play well for strong for uh, for for large lengths during that during those <clears throat> right. eight games. But once you get to the point where now you're starting to get into it with your superior, you're starting to get into it with the decision makers, things like that. That's when usually they go ahead and they pull the trigger. And, uh, and and cut you during the season. Well, Stan, here's what the Raiders got out of their three extra first-round picks for Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Josh Jacobs uh, still playing very well and still playing at a high level. It'll be interesting to see what the Raiders do with him. They declined his, his fifth-year option, but let's see if they do try to re-sign him after the great year that he's currently having. 
Jonathan Abram released in year four. Damon Arnett released in year two. Not a lot of uh, high-value return for those two players. All right, let's move on. The Raiders' opponent on Sunday is the Indianapolis Colts. And earlier this week, as Stan mentioned, they fired head coach Frank Reich and replaced him with former Colt Jeff Saturday. Now, Saturday has been working as an analyst for ESPN, and the highest level he's ever coached is high school. Now, Stan, I thought the Raiders uh, were dysfunctional at times, but this move, to me, might take the cake. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's that that that's the first thing that came to mind. I remember I was sitting down and I think I was watching the herd uh, on TV. Sure. Uh, what was this Monday or Tuesday or whatever day it was? Right. And all of a sudden I'm I'm listening to Colin Coward talk and then uh, Jason McIntyre, his co-host, and then Jason McIntyre is talking about how yeah, you know, like I'm reading reports right now that that the interim head coach is going to be, you know, get this. <laughs> it's 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 going to be it's going to be even an say it with ESPN. A yeah, it's going to be an ESPN analyst, Jeff Saturday. And I'm just like, hmm? I'm like, huh? And so uh, then I sit back, I ponder, I let it process. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Great player. Right. All pro, pro bowls. Yep. Played for Peyton Manning for a number of years, then finished off with Aaron Rodgers. So, okay, obviously he knows what to do when it comes to blocking, offensive line, run scheme, all of that. But just the simple fact of how that is probably going to a ruffle feathers because if I'm somebody on that coaching staff, why didn't I get elected as the interim head coach? Cause usually it's somebody already on staff, right? Then after the season, they go hire whoever they want to hire, but you go and bring somebody from outside is the interim coach. Who's never coached above high school. Like you just mentioned. So already right there, he lacks, what a lot of people think is the credibility or should I just say the qualifications to be an interim head coach or just simply not even being a part of this staff this season. So the players, that's somebody he's going to have to earn their respect very quickly, even the coaching staff. So uh, when you look at that, that to me just comes off as he's really, really good friends or good or, or, or on good terms, good connections with the GM and owner. That's why they went and did that, because if that was the case, if that's if that's the type of vibe that everybody is now on, where you get rid of a head coach and now you just bring in whoever you want to bring in, well, I mean, okay, well, shoot. <laughs> I mean, we look at how Matt Rule was fired by the Carolina Panthers, correct? Correct. Well, why didn't they just go and you know get uh somebody out of the booth? Why didn't they just go and get uh you know Kirk Herbstreit? Let him be the uh the interim head coach for the Carolina Panthers for the remainder of the season. So when you really look at it from that standpoint, that's where. I think a lot of people's eyes just get get extremely wide because that's kind of going a little bit against the usual protocol of a little bringing bit. in. I'm sorry, not bringing in, <laughs> but just you know appointing somebody within the staff, right, for the interim position. So that right there is going to ruffle feathers for the other coaches on that team. As far as the players, he has to earn their respect, and he has to do all of this without an offense coordinator. He's got to do all this on proverbially a short week as far as when he finally is now put into the fold. So that's why, man, it uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how all this plays out just because the lack of experience for collegiate or professional football, even though as a player, we all know he was top notch. Right. So there's so many factors. There's so many, there's so much of the deck that's stacked against him. That's why it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out for him and Jim Irsay. 
Dan, you coached, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, defensive backs at the high school level, right? Recently. Yes. But, okay. Uh -huh. You're currently a volunteer assistant coach with the University of Houston, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. If the Raiders came to you and said, Stan, we're going to give you the job you're taking over on Monday, how far in over your head would you be? I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty far in just because, I mean, obviously I played this game, played for eight years, played at a pretty high level, but there's so much of being a head coach that I don't know, just, you know, creating the practice schedule and having to decide on the, the, uh, just the inner workings of, you know, the travel schedule, what day we're going to travel, when we're going to come back, you know, all of those things, making sure that I got everything that is on point as far as my coaching staff, making sure that once again, as a head coach, you're not, you're not partial to one position as a head coach, even though you shouldn't be. Right. You're more so overseeing everything. You're like the CEO. You're like the supervisor. And so there's so many different things that you're going to have to supervise that you're just simply not used to because you're used to being fixated on your one position. So I think that, that that's why it's tough because if you've never been a coordinator, which is basically you coordinating that side of the ball, even if it's special teams coordinator like, uh, John Harbaugh was for the Philadelphia Eagles before he got the head coaching job for the Baltimore Ravens. If you've never even been a coordinator, I just think that that's a huge leap for you now being the head coach of the franchise for a lot of guys. So, uh, so to answer your question, as much as as much as I believe in myself and is very confident of a human being as I am, yes, I would be in over my head if the Raiders were to call me right now and be the interim head coach right now as we speak. Yeah, I'd be in over my head. All right, well, the Colts, uh, as, <clears throat> as we talked about, have a new head coach in Jeff Saturday. They have a play caller who's never been in that role. They have a starting quarterback, a rookie quarterback, Sam Ellinger, who has never even won an NFL start. Stan, if the Raiders don't win this week, seriously, I, I can't Oh, man, it's man overboard. Them. It's man overboard. It's man overboard. Period. Would they win another game? I can't. I can't say it. Uh, I can't say it any other simpler. If they, <laughs> if they were to lose to the Colts. It would be man overboard just because, like you said, they don't have a head coach. They now have an interim head coach in Jeff Saturday. Much respect to his playing career and everything that he's done ever since. Uh, you got Sam Ellinger, who's from Austin, Texas, just right. like I am. Went to yes. Westlake, Drew Brees' high school. He's never won an NFL game. And they fired their offensive coordinator, what, two weeks ago? I think so. Right now, they're having a play caller who, right now, he 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 he, he majored in, or should I say, like his place of expertise is in technology and things like that. So... If they were to lose to the Colts, if they were to lose to the Colts, it would be some serious man overboard on that team as far as people tanking it. Not tanking, I'm sorry, tanking it mentally. People just throwing in the towel where you've already mentally checked out. You're now looking towards 2023, things like that. So if they were to lose to the Indianapolis Colts, I could very well see another surprise, quote-unquote, release, another surprise fire something like that, you know, whether it's maybe the defensive coordinator, you know, something like that. I could definitely see um, some transactions being made after a loss if, hypothetically, it was to the Indianapolis Colts. And you, you, you mentioned the word tanking, and there's been a lot of uh, talk that the Colts are tanking in order to get a top pick in the draft in search of a quarterback. Excuse me. I hate the word tanking. I hate the fact that teams – So do I. We, we know they do it. And, and as a former player, you just said, as a former player, when you hear that word tanking, uh, how does it make you feel? Well, for one, players don't tank. Teams tank. GMs tank. Owners tank. Head coaches, 
they don't really want to tank because that's their resume. They want to still, they'd much rather go out there and be seven and 10 where they aren't good enough for the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to get a top overall pick because that's still their resume. They don't want to just put all that bad film on their resume. And so same thing for a player. Players don't tank. Now, teams will, GM, head coach, I'm sorry, GM, owner, people like that, they'll tank because they're all about the draft pick. They're all about building this team. But for a player and a coach, no, that's that's just not in their DNA. So that's why when I hear that, it just kind of makes me shake my head because I know that that's more the front office than it is anybody that's down there in that locker room. And, you know, Stan, we talk, we hear so much about tanking. Oh, we got to get a good draft pick. We got to get a good draft pick. Well, look at man. The draft is a crapshoot as many times as you and I have talked about yeah. that. Tom Brady was yeah. a sixth-round pick. Last time I checked, Patrick Mahomes was not the first overall pick in the NFL draft. I mean, you mm-hmm. can get a quarterback at different times. I mean, obviously, we always – Teams always want to, oh, got to get a quarterback in the first round. I got to get a quarterback in the top 10 because he's not going to be there. But it is a crapshoot. You can get a good player. And he's like, well, Max Crosby, so. right? Max Crosby, fourth round pick for the Raiders, right? Fourth round pick. I, yep. I mean, it's just. Eastern Michigan. Right. It's just, it, it's such a crapshoot when these teams are like, oh, I got to tank. We got to get a top five pick so we can get a quarterback and all this. I, I want to cringe because I'm like, you can get a great player at any time in the draft. It's just a matter of, are your scouts doing their homework? Is your GM Exactly. Confident? Right? That's what it really boils down to. Like, are you willing to do your homework? Are you really willing to do your due diligence and go out there and find that diamond in the rough? Go out there and continue searching, looking for that perfect player that fits your scheme, not just the one that you see on ABC or ESPN or NBC. And that's what all the draft nicks, that's what all the analysts or the commentators are talking about. So when you look right now, would you say that Josh Fields, I'm sorry, Justin Fields is playing out of his mind right now, the Chicago Bears? I don't think he's playing out of his mind, but I can see him incrementally getting, I think, better, Stan. I, I can't. Right now, would you call him a top 15 quarterback? No, 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 no. And he's a first-rounder from right. last year. Mac Jones, where would you put him at? Not top 15 either. He's a first-rounder from last yeah. year. Uh, we got uh, my man uh, Josh Wilson for the New York Jets. And like Zach Wilson, there Zach Wilson. I'm so sorry, Zach Wilson. He's the the Jets are playing well. Notice I said the Jets are playing well. But yeah, exactly. What are Zach Wilson's numbers this year? Yeah. Not good. <laughs> no, he was the what number two pick in the draft. Yep. You got Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville Jaguars. They've lost how many straight? Aside from my Raiders, <laughs> they won. They lost five straight. Right. So clearly, he's not playing like Dan Marino. So when you and then Trey Lance, Trey Lance is on the shelf right now. Right. So. That's all five first-round quarterbacks from last year's draft. So that's why, yeah, I think that uh, the over-fixation or the over-infatuation with wanting to get a top draft pick, a top first-rounder, I understand it because there's plenty of first-rounders that want to ball it. Sure. No doubt about that. Yes, But agreed. like you just said, it's a crapshoot. It does not guarantee anything. And <laughs> Tom Brady, sixth-rounder. Aaron Rodgers, late first-round pick. Yeah. You know, um, so that's why, to me, I think it still comes down to, can you develop the guy? Do you have the right player development? Do you have the right coaching staff to develop the guy? Do you have the right coordinator to put that player in the right scheme so he can be successful? So I think that uh, the GMs can go ahead and talk about wanting to get a high draft pick. They can want to do all that, but guess what? If you don't put the proper pieces around him, Chicago Bears uh, general manager, if you don't put the proper pieces around him, it ain't going to freaking matter exactly what player he turns out to be because if he's a quarterback and he ain't got nobody to throw to he's never going to be good period if he's if he's a corner and you don't provide him with a good safety or a pass rush he's not going to be good if he's a stud receiver but you don't get a good quarterback to throw him the ball 
he's never going to pan out. So that's why, yeah, you can go ahead and you can harp on it. You can fixate on it. I get all that. But at the end of the day, if you don't put the right players around him, GM, which means second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounders, undrafted guys, put other players around him. If you don't make sure that you develop him, coaching staff, if you don't make sure that he has the right tools in place, player development, it still is not going to matter. So you can't just go out there, get some high draft pick receiver or defensive end or corner or quarterback or whatever, and then expect that he's automatically going to going to uh, just revitalize and change the trajectory on your franchise. It doesn't work like that. Agreed. All right, let's take a look at some AFC West games this week. Stan and uh, Jacksonville, who just knocked off the Raiders. They're at Kansas City this week. Chiefs, nine-and-a-half-point favorites. What are you liking that one? Oh, uh, I would obviously go with Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you think, um, you you think know, the cover? Jackson- <sighs> it is, what you say, nine-and-a-half? Yeah, nine-and-a-half. Yeah, I think that I think the Chiefs cover that. I do, too. I could see like a 30-17, to 17, maybe 28-17, maybe yeah. something along those lines. Denver at Tennessee. Titans, just a two-point favorite at home over the uh, over the Denver Broncos. What do you think? Ooh, I think uh, I think I like that. I like that spread. I like that. Uh, I like that line just because the Tennessee Titans. They're gonna have. It's still gonna be Malik uh, Willis at the quarterback, right? I believe so. Yeah, it's still gonna be Malik Willis the quarterback. Obviously, the Broncos. They still are kind of like a little bit in the tailspin right now, getting a little bit better, but obviously they're still underwhelming. And I think that Tennessee defense. That Tennessee defense is. Is really done a great job. As you can see, you take away the last few drives against the Chiefs, and they're winning that game. I would definitely go with the Tennessee Titans over the Denver Broncos, but because Malik Willis is going to be the quarterback, not Ryan Tannehill, that's why I don't think it's going to be by a wide margin. And I'm with you, Stan. I think it may be 17-13, maybe 20-13, to 13, maybe some, something yeah. along those lines, but I, I like Tennessee uh, at home. Stan, this is a good one. Chargers uh, at uh, the 49ers. That's a Sunday night game on NBC. That's a real good one. Yeah, that's going to be a real good one. And just for the Raider in me, I want to see the 49ers win that game. <laughs> and also, I'm a fan of uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think that I think uh, I think the Niners are going to win that. I think they're going to beat the Chargers, uh, maybe 24 to 20, 24 21, something along those lines. All right, Stan, the Raiders six point favorites at home. I, I mean, g- give me your score. Ah, right. uh, man, the Raiders six point favorites at home. I would go Raiders 30 points. I would go Indianapolis Colts seventeen. Uh, I think we're pretty, uh, pretty much in agreement there. I can Raiders twenty seven, maybe the the Colts fourteen, maybe the Colts seventeen. Uh, I think the Raiders cover. They got. I mean, this is the playoffs are 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 a memory, a distant memory. It's not going to happen right, right now. They just got to try to uh, string together some wins. Let's hope it starts on Sunday yeah. against the, against Indianapolis. I'm thinking twenty seven seventeen, something along those lines. We'll see how it all plays out. Partner, we hit on a lot of good topics today, as always. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Uh, like I said, it's just it, it, it's the dog days of the season. And now is where the teams are really starting to separate themselves. And I still firmly believe that right now in this NFL, we don't even really have the magnificently great teams other than you could say the Philadelphia Eagles because they're undefeated. But I think there's still a lot of questions they got to answer about their team when it comes to the playoffs, being able to get over that hump. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they barely skated by the Malik Willis-led Tennessee Titans. You look at the Buffalo Bills, they lost to the New York Jets, and the New York Jets still aren't sold on their quarterback. So I think that you have so much parity within this league right now where even the good teams still have blemishes. They still have warts on their resume to really just go ahead and I guess you would say that 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 handicaps them from you really truly calling them great. So that's why right now the Raiders, as bad as they look, 
The Raiders are, what, four games behind the Kansas City Chiefs, which I don't think they're going to catch them. But the Raiders can go ahead and still make this a respectable season Agreed. right now, even with this putrid record that they have starting off. And I think it starts right now with the Indianapolis Colts. They're, right now, the Colts are not a good team. Nope. The Colts are in disarray. They now have an ESPN analyst as their interim head coach. You got to take advantage of that. You got to step on their neck. And I mean, you got to step on it from the opening kickoff, whether it's defense or offense, and try to salvage this season. That's what Josh McDaniels has to be sending the message of that to his team. Agreed, Stan. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. From a partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. May all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.